This podcast contains adult content suitable for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Out of the darkness and into the fire. Welcome, my dear travelers, to the morbid forest. Hello there, dear traveler. You seem to have lost your way, and from the looks of it, You've lost something close to your heart. Oh, don't worry, my weary traveler. Love comes and goes, but at least you weren't married to a witch. The first time I saw Alina, I knew I was right in for it. It was a hot Southern Carolina summer day, and I was sweating more than a Texas whore. My body ached from helping the Millers the night prior with their storm cellar. Damn thing flooded in the winter and smelled ripe as a coon's carcass by summer. Ten hours of hauling up muck and shit left me right sour for the entirety of my fishing trip. Not to mention, Not a lick of fish was in that damned lake. All I had to show for my day was a deeper pain in my left shoulder. My F-150 was working overtime, bucking slightly as my foot impatiently nagged on the gas in an attempt to drag my sorry-ass boat from the lake. I was so out of sorts, I popped myself right out the goddamn loading ramp. My truck's back tires free spinning, my trailer thrusting me forward, I cursed. My hands worked in the wheel over to correct myself as I barreled over the edge of the landing and into the public domain, nearly flattened Miss Lexington in the process. A tall swooping ray of light hurriedly tucked the frail body of Miss Lexington under her wing and out the way of my piece of shit Ford. Fucking fantastic. I was sure to hear about this at Mama's Sunday dinner. You ladies all right? I hollered from my truck window putting the disobedient truck in park and getting out to survey the damage. Around the corner, I stopped dead in my tracks. My eyes not registering the woman next to the grill of my truck. Now, Oswald Park ain't some city slicker city. We're a family-based, good-blooded American town with the residents dating back to the first settlers. What we lacking in size, we make up for in heart. So rightfully, Having my family be one of the first founding families, we just about knew every town person within the county. But this peach, I did not know. Her hair fell like a cascading waterfall of ash blonde down past her waistline. She was petite, but had hips that mama would say were prime for childbearing. 
Her face was soft, with laugh lines around her eyes that made you smile automatically. But what stunned me most of all were them eyes, the lightest blue I ever seen. They were so light, you think they were kissed with gray from a cozy rainy day. I must have been standing there like a trout, mouth gaping wide, because she laughed. <laughs> if I knew small towns were so welcoming to everyday Samaritans, I would have moved to one sooner. She said, overcast blues never straying from my swampy browns. Her accent was hard to place. It wasn't much of anything, so I gathered she wasn't from the South at all. My mouth still hung open, and Miss Lexington had to clear her throat for me to find myself again. Usually, our men are a little more hospitable, so you will have to excuse young Paul here. The old bat stated, glaring at me like a scorned child. I wanted to roll my eyes, but that would surely result in another reprimand. I was not the eight-year-old degenerate anymore that was found red-handed with her window pie. Boy, that old bat can hold a grudge. My apologies, ma'am, miss... I hope I hadn't caused anyone harm. She smiled. My heart skipped like a stone across my ribcage. No harm, no foul. <laughs> she laughed again, and I felt myself swaying in her direction. Miss Lexington eyed us, a small blooming in those old eyes. Mrs. Lexington and Mama had been trying and failing to arrange me with a so-called proper wife since the day I turned 18. I don't blame them none. I'm not unhandsome, just built like a bear. I'm grizzly in more ways than one. I would offer you a nice meal for saving my life from this eyeless brute, but I think my nerves are done shot. Mrs. Lexington stated matter-of-factly. I took that as a cue to do my gentlemanly duty. Well, my mama makes a mean Sunday supper, and there's always room for one more. Let me get you a nice cooked meal, and thanks for saving Miss Lexington from my grill, and welcoming you to town. I smiled broadly, fingers crossed, like a child in hopes she would accept. <laughs> if I knew small towns were so welcoming to everyday Samaritans, I would have moved to one sooner. We shared a laugh at her recycled joke in unison. I'd love to come to dinner. She held out her delicate hand, and I took it in mind. My name's Elena. We were engaged six months later and married within six months of that. It was a small ceremony, which suited me just fine. I wasn't one for parties. I wasn't one for parties. And Elena didn't have any family as she was fostered, spending most of her life bouncing from home to home. It was a sad life and I was all too happy to provide her with the southern comfort she could ask for. Now being a first set of family came with the first set of fortune. My pops retired early, leaving the family fishing business to me, which also suited me just fine. I was able to spend most days out on the lake while Helena could spend her time at home. She'd been waitressing for a spell when she first came into town, but that was now over. It took some convincing, but I explained to her that my wife did not need to be an entrepreneur or some working gal. Sure, she could come and help me man the bait and tackle box from time to time, 
and she liked to make these little trinkets on the side and sell them for some fancy internet site. But that was just so she could feel like she was contributing. A man isn't a man unless he provides for his family. Late winter was when I started noticing changes in her. Restless as a wet hen, her fingers drumming slowly on the kitchen table. Her blue-gray eyes staring absently out the dining room window. If I would have known any better, I'd say you were thinking about your other lover. I quipped, stuffing a morsel of steak into my mouth. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't be silly, Paul. She answered, eyes finally returning to me. Their pull was immediate. I relaxed a little, happy to be taken by their blue ways. Nodding, I just kept eating. Eyes never leaving hers. She watched me for a breath. I cheshire smiled creepingly slow across her lips. She rose, her night robe open to hang at the crest of her breast. My fork hung in midair as my wife came towards me, hips swaying like a pendulum. She'd slide herself into my lap, her delicate fingers pushing the fork down on the table. Before I had time to think, her lips were on me. A devouring storm which I was all too willing to ride through. Her breast pressed against my chest as she spoke to me in panted breaths. You know, you're the only one, my love. Show me. Show me I'm yours. Too happy to oblige, I took my wife there and then on the kitchen table. Our dinner forgotten sent crashing in a heap on the floor. Now we were passionate lovers, my wife and I. But that night, it was like I was making love to a different woman. Her eyes blazed with a blue firelight. She clawed me closer as if she needed to crawl into my skin itself. When she came, she howled. A guttural animal scream that vibrated through my pelvis, rocking me to my toes to leave me spent on top of her. Sometime after, I awoke in bed with a start. My body felt raw and withered like paper. My chest tight, my lungs not quite registering the air within them. God damn, that was some serious fucking. I rolled, sliding my arm across the sheet to pull Elena to my chest came up empty. I jerked awake. Her spot in the bed lay cold. My wife not in her proper place. Dazed, my mind couldn't process her absence adequately. But nature knocked at that moment and I lumbered from the bed to the bathroom to relieve myself. Finishing my business, I checked the bed one more time to make sure I wasn't dreaming. Still empty. My tired feet shuffled down the hall into the living room. Plasma TV was on, my wife was tucked into the couch. A blanket pulled tight to her chin. Her white blonde tresses tumbling over her face to the floor. My mind not awake, I figured at some point she couldn't sleep and wandered into the living room. I let her be, content knowing her whereabouts. It became like a monthly game from then on. We were set in our routine. I worked, she made her trinkets. 
We had dinner every Sunday at Mama's house. We fuck our skin raw at least once a month, and a couple nights a week, I'll wake up to an empty bed. The covers tucked neatly into my side, the TV humming on low, and my precious wife asleep on the couch. It was no bother at first. After the third month, I was fixing to get a little downright angry. I ain't a man of comforts. Just cause my family got money doesn't mean I act accordingly. Or so I'm told. Our house was of relative size compared to some in the county. I designed, built the cabin, and styled it myself like a man should. Furnished the home with what was needed and not a thing more. When Elena moved in, sure she added her womanly touches to the place, but it mostly stayed the same. That's what I liked about her. She wasn't much for frills. Only thing she asked for was a crafting room to create her doodads. Hell, if I knew there was a woman out there that didn't fuss and only wanted a space in the house to keep her womanly creations, I'd have hooked her sooner. That being said, I stood in our marital room, staring at her shared bed. I found it comfortable. It was a simple king bed and box spring, firm, with a pine frame. Maybe she needed more bounce. And if my wife needed more comfort, then that's what she'll get. Elena was gone for two days for a crafting convention in Columbia. I drove to Lexington the day she left, find a big furniture store to buy her just the right bed. The furniture store was dimly lit and smelled like mothballs. My eyes attempted to adjust from the afternoon sun but the quality of the store didn't change with the indoor lighting. Dim and dusty, I walked past the aged love seats and the kitchen tables to the elderly skeleton napping in one of the armchairs. I cleared my throat and the poor thing started with a small fright. Oh, oh, hello there, dear. Welcome in, welcome in. My name is Janice. How can I help you today? She mused her hair and rubbed her cheek of any spittle. When she finally looked up, she had a dentured smile and wide frame moon glasses that sat in the nest of the white wisp of curls. I smiled and offered her my elbow. I'm in need of a new bed for my new wife. She seems to have trouble sleeping lately, ma'am. Frankly, our love seat sees more of her at night than our marital bed, if you excuse my candidness. She smiled, using my elbow as leverage to rise, wrinkled neck bobbing her head up and down as she listened. Well, we can get you all sorted so your wife can get a good night's sleep or maybe get some of those cute babies made. She winked and I laughed. The expectancies of the South consistent no matter the county. She led me at a snail's pace through the living room sets to the back far wall where the bedding section spanned. I assumed she was the owner, as well as the sole employee because a layer of dust lined almost every wooden or fabric surface. The styles of furniture we passed were a mix of ancient antique, garishly outdated, and modern city folk minimalist. 
and asked what I did for work, and so on and so forth. Nosy Nelly questions, which made me feel right at home. Now this here is our Queen Deluxe bed. It comes with the frame, mattress, and the nightstands. Her voice quivered as she showed me the white wooden frame with matching table. Pulling her glasses from her curls and placing them on the bridge of her nose, she read me the dimensions and the price. Oh, but it only comes in a firm mattress. And you did say she needed something softer, right, dear? Yes, ma'am, I answered. Too kind to tell her that that set was uglier than a toad's backside. Hmm, right, right. I have a dark oak over there. She pointed. I turned to spy a large canopy-style bed in oak lined about four beds down. Hands wrapped gingerly around my elbow once more, we inched towards the next option. When we finally reached the bed, I helped her onto it, and the two of us sat side by side testing the mattress. Well, it is softer than I'm used to, I said, my nose wrinkling at the easy bend of the mattress. Yes, but happy wife is happy life. They wouldn't say it, dear, if it weren't true. I had to admit, that old woman was right. Aside from that, she did have a point in getting a new bed in order to add some little ones to our little home. The image of Elena in the kitchen, hair glowing in the afternoon light, a young round babe clinging to her hips, did appeal to my lesser nature. I never thought myself as a family man. Not until Elena, my daydream made my decision. I'll take it, I said. Janice smiled up at me with approval. She rang me up, and I loaded the boxes of parts into my truck while Janice supervised. I hope your wife enjoys your new bed, she said, just as I was about to climb in the cab. I sure hope so, too. Otherwise, I'll have to strap her to the bed to keep her from leaving in the middle of the night. Janice paused a moment and turned. Her old eyes thoughtful for a moment before shaking her head. Everything all right, ma'am? She shook her head again, patting my arm. Nothing, dear, nothing. This, this old mind was just reminded of some superstition my mother used to tell me when I was a little girl. South is known for our boogeymen, all darker and bumpier than the next, so I wasn't too surprised when something I said triggered some old tale in Janice's mind. Just, just be careful, dear. Not everything under the surface of a beautiful skin is what it seems. With that, she gave me a nod and shuffled slowly back into her dusty store, leaving me to ponder her words. The old store owner's words were forgotten by the time my tires touched down on the gravel path that led to our home. If I had a nickel for every juju, goblin, or voodoo warning I received over the years, I'd be richer than my great-great-great-grandpappy. With her words washed away by the common lake tide, I set to work unloading the truck and setting my wife's surprise up. I was glad there were no kindergarten-style instructions to set up the bed, just a list of tools 
and straightforward instructions that I mostly ignored. A man's got to know how to work with his hands, you know. By the time the moon was over the cabin, the bed was made and ready to be laid in. I smiled at my handiwork, my callous hands rubbing sweetly over the unblemished support beams of the canopy. Elena was going to be surprised indeed. My face split wider as my thoughts drifted to surprising her even more with talks of a little one. We weren't getting any younger. Besides, what is a man than one without a family? Paul, what has gotten into you? Elena laughed like a schoolgirl as we shuffled down the hallway into our bedroom. One bare side hand rested softly over her eyes, the other at the small of her back, guiding her. Nothing, my dear wife, but there's going to be something in you in a minute. My lips pressed against her ears, her delicate frame hugging my front. She hiccuped and laughed and hit my hand. You shouldn't leave your husband alone for too long, I teased. If I knew you were going to behave like this, I would leave for a few days at a time more often. She quipped. She's a fiery one. We entered our room and I positioned her at the foot of our bed. Okay, open your eyes, darling. I moved my hand and waited for her reaction. It was priceless. Her stormy blues lit up like lightning as her pale hand reached out tentatively to stroke the dark wood. You bought us a new bed? She asked, voice hushed. I rocked back on my heels, the old floorboards creaking with my shifting weight. Well, I can't have my woman sleeping on the couch every night, now can I? She spun to look at me, and a look I'd never seen flashed across her face for the briefest of moments. Then it was gone, replaced with a loving expression that melts my toes. It was a look I'll live to regret, I've never deciphered it. You did this for me? You? My burly, no-frills husband? She cooed her questions, her words trapping me where I stood. I nodded, unable to speak for a moment. <clears throat> yes. I choked, my voice harsh. I would do anything for you. Anything. But right now, there's things I want to do to you. The words flowed from my mouth sounded distant and unlike myself, but I didn't care at the time. All I saw was Elena, my glowing bright star with the blue-gray eyes. Then take me, husband. She threw herself at me and we made love like that every night. I chalked it up to passion, true rare chemical imbalance that only exists when two people were made undoubtedly for each other. And every morning I woke with my beautiful blonde goddess by my side. It didn't take long for things to go from exuberant to downright dog shit. With the new bed in place, my wife slept, at least to my knowledge, right by my side. But honestly, with the way we've been humping, you'd have thought we'd produced two litters of rabbits by now. Every session left me spent dead to the world until the first rays of sun peeked through the curtains. They also left me with new markings. Long, angry claw marks decorated my back. 
Each new set taking longer to heal, with some mornings leaving me behind fresh red zebra stripes in the sheets. Elena worked wonders with the laundry, and the blood would be gone by those sheets by the very evening. I knew I was a generous lover, but I was not complaining. Although there were mornings I wake exhausted, my body felt like a corpse, shriveled and shaken. My lungs deflated from nearly all their precious air. But if my woman was satisfied, then what was the harm in a few minor inconveniences? It was another long day and the F-150 pulled tiredly into the driveway of the cabin. I sighed, for the first time not feeling the drive to fill my peckish wife's needs. I stared at the door a moment, wondering if I still had time to pop a U-turn and head for a bar for a boys' night. I shook my head, the thought escaping, flying right out like a bat in a night cave. I wasn't a coward, and Elena wouldn't be hurt if I turned her down just this once. The wood of the stairs sounded my arrival, each board creaking under my heavy work boots. I opened the door and paused in the frame. The living room was filled with large blue balloons. In the center of the room stood my wife in her bathing robe, her blue eyes shining with tears. I think it's going to be a boy. No, I know it is. I can feel it. She said in way of greeting. She looked down, her hands rubbing lovingly against her already slightly protruding stomach. Had I not noticed the weight gain? She had been more tired and acting slightly agitated recently. But all that didn't matter now. All that mattered was that we were about to be a family. I was going to be a papa bear. I was going to have a son. Tears threatened to fall from my eyes, and I let them. This was one of the few times a man could cry. Are you sure? I asked, still in awe of the news. She nodded her head, coming toward me, hands outstretched. She reached me and took my hands and placed them on her belly. I went to the doctor today while you were at work and confirmed it. You're going to be a father, Paul. I scooped her in my arms swinging her happily amongst the field of balloons, joy swelling in my heart. But I ended my motions abruptly, remembering the baby. I fell to my knees in front of my wife, head and hands coming to cradle her belly. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't squeeze you too tight, did I? I don't want to hurt him, our boy. I looked at her, and she stroked my hair out of my face pulling me up to her, laughing at my sentiment. Don't be silly. We're sturdier than you think. I love you, Paul. She kissed me then, soft and lingering with just a pinch of something more. I wasn't tired anymore. We made love early that night in the force of blue balloons. It was softer this time, and I was all too relieved. After, we cleaned up the living room, and went about our normal routine for the evening. Smiles plastered on our faces like it was Christmas morning. 
I woke just before dawn. Something rousing me from my dreams before it was time to get up for the day. I rolled to my side, smiling. The news of Alana's pregnancy is still on my mind. Arms extended, I reached for my wife, but she wasn't there. I sat up, sleep fading to an afterthought. I entangled myself from the sheets to search for my wife. I just bought us this new bed, and in her new condition, she was not, I mean not, going to sleep one more night on that couch. So help me, I will chop that thing and use it for kindling if I need be. The sound of my feet slapping against the old wood pinged off the walls as I searched the house. I checked the bathroom, not there. I moved to the living room next. The glow of the rising sun coming through and full through the open window. There was one of those fancy throw blankets rumbled in on the couch. I picked it up, almost expecting Elena to be curled up underneath it, but it was cold to the touch. I was about to turn and head to her craft room next and nearly jump from my skin. There stood my wife, hair slightly mused, her eyes wide like the moon. Elena, you can't sleep on the couch no more. This isn't good for the baby. I don't care if we have to get a hundred beds during the pregnancy. You will not sleep on this couch, I blurted. The words harsh against the soft morning dawn light. She looked away, stealing herself. Her chest was falling fast, almost as if she was out of sorts. Shit, I must have scared her. We never fought. Hell, I never even raised my voice on it. But how could she blame me? She needed to think for two now. I crossed the space, ashamed of my actions, no matter how justified they may be. Look, promise me you won't sleep on the couch anymore. For the baby? I gently moved her face to mine with the tip of my finger and was relieved to find her eyes back to their normal size. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll maybe go to the store later today, get a mattress pad or something for the baby. She hugged me, and her words soothed my mind back into place. The few months to follow were normal as pie. Elena's belly swole as she waddled like a duck around the house. She was restless, it seemed. She spent all hours in her craft room humming sweet melodies behind a closed door. I didn't mind. If her crafts kept her busy and calm, which turn kept our baby calm, then I was all too happy to let her be. It was close to Elena's date when I awoke one night out of breath, like so many previous nights. This was not like the other times. This was... Laughing. My lungs felt like collapsed cans of camp soup. I wheezed, desperate to get air into them as my eyes bulged from my skull. What in all hell? I may be a big man, but I was not out of shape. Was it something in my dream? I reached for my wife, my source of comfort, 
but the gray light of the morning illuminated only empty space. Anger bubbled through my veins, and I was damn certain seemed coming from my ears. That fucking couch. That fucking couch just spent its last night in this house. I slammed the sheets against the bed and stomped down the hall in search of my wife. I did my normal check. Bathroom, not there. I checked her craft room, a room I spent zero time in. Hell, I'm not sure I've even seen it since Elena had finished decorating. The room was washed in gray light. Dark red rug with intricate white lines sat in the center of the room. The lines looked like interlocking stars, an odd design, but I brushed the thought aside. There was a large craft table in the center of the far wall. What I could guess was crafting supplies laid across the top table, but what drew my eyes were the bookcases lining the two walls. Jars lined each shelf with blue tape against their middles. Each piece of tape had a different date on it, but what was oddest of all were all the jars were empty. The hair on my arms stood on end. Something wasn't right. I backed out of the room with more questions than answers. But my anger had not faded. Where was Elena? I checked the living room next. The TV was off, and I was glad. I didn't want any distractions when I gave Elena a piece of my mind. A man's word has to be respected in his home. I rounded the couch and eyed her frame under a sea of blankets, her pregnant belly hidden against the mound of cotton. There were so many on top of her, I would have thought she was dead underneath them because there was no rise or fall in her breath. Her long blonde hair hanging over her face so I could barely make out the tip of her small nose. In my haste, I ripped the blankets from the couch, rage firing on all cylinders now. Elena tumbled to the floor. I dove to catch her, but I was too late. She hit the ground and I cringed, cursing myself for my arrogant anger. Oh God, the baby. What have I done? But there was no noise when she hit the floor. A small part of me breathed. Maybe she didn't hit too hard. I scrambled to my wife, pulled her to me, and froze. What the? There on the floor lay the body of my wife. Well, let me correct myself. It was the skin of my wife. Her fucking skin. I howled in horror, jumping onto my feet. The perfect skinned frame of my wife, pregnant belly and all, lay on the floor like the hide of a hunter's prize. Oh, God. Oh, dear God. I howled, hands racking through my hair. What the fuck? Who would have done this? How could they have done this without me waking? Oh, God, my wife, my poor, beautiful wife. Her hollowed husk gazed up at me accusingly from the floor, mocking me in my failure to protect her, to protect my family. But where's the rest of her? I heard... From behind, there's a sound of a snake mocking its prey. 
A chill ran down my spine as I rose to face whatever monster stood behind me, and I dared take my wife from me. I screamed in true unabashed horror at what I found. I screamed like a little boy waking from a bad dream, hoping to rouse his parents from the bed to save him from the monsters. I screamed because a monster stood in my home. A monster with Elena's stormy blue-gray eyes. The muscles of this creature glistened in the light of the moon. Blood red. They spread over peak and black bones threaded with blue veins. They could almost be mistaken for bark in their dry, mealy-like texture. If it wasn't for the steady pulse of oozing black blood, I would have thought it would be. The thing smiled at me, its tongue licking out in pure ecstasy at the sight of my tear, like a snake tasting the air before it strikes. The muscles in its face pulled back like gnarled bark against his smile. I fell on my ass, hands fighting to move me as far away from that thing as possible. It sashayed towards me, hips moving with a serpentine grace. A grace I knew all too well. It rubbed its protruding belly, long, sickly tongue lapping back into its mouth. The thing hissed at me, but underneath the low hiss was the voice of my wife. What's wrong, darling? Don't you like how I look anymore? Elena? I crooked. Creature's mouth split like a sidewalk crack. Jagged yet gleeful, a smile that split wide, all the way to where its ear should have been. Do you not recognize your wife? It asked. She moved like a red bark snake, joints popping in sickly rotation toward me. My human parts couldn't back away fast enough. You you you're you're not my wife. I said to the creature, but my voice sounded weak. The words themselves, the definition of a lie. My wife screeched at this. <laughs> Throwing its head back, it cackled to the rafters. The jugular muscles lapping open to reveal the black crystal vertebrae of her spine. My stomach ground against the wall of my abdomen trying to escape. What's the matter, dear? The creature drawled a normally sweet sentiment, the term of endearment grated like the rough edges of a cat's tongue across my skin. My feet found themselves. The moment of temporary paralysis was over. I climbed to my feet, my back never turning on the thing that used to be my wife, and fled into the kitchen. Elena. No, 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 not Elena. The thing tracked my very movement. A hunter at the highest caliber. Her slick red black flesh popping and oozing ebony blood as it pumped laboriously inside her deathly blue veins. My stomach rolled again. I fought like hell to keep the bio where it would belong. Men do not throw up in the face of danger, no matter how ironic it may be. We dance around the table. The sturdy wooden centerpiece giving me a small sense of security, however fleeting that may be. 
You, ma'am, are not my wife. I licked my lips, beads of sweat nestling in the crooks of my wrinkled brow. I don't know what you may be, but you certainly are a creature from hell itself. I will not stand for you in my house. The words sounded braver than I felt. The creature knew it too. Her fingers wrapped around the chair in front of her. Her fingers wrapped around the chair in front of her, if you could even call them that. They gleamed like freshly laundered white linens against the wood strangling underneath them. They were the only white thing on her body. If I knew a hand from an ass, I would have sworn they were claws. Sweet, sweet Paul. Don't you know what I am? I know you've heard enough stories growing up about me. The creature's voice glided through my ears. Sharp and beyond irritating. Its lip curled up, amused at my state. Or are you really that stupid? My mind searched for an answer, but came back blank. My mind instead zeroed in my mind instead zeroed in on the muscular flesh straining against her white thin arms arms that once held me close what devil would i know from my childhood she laughed high and joke you really are that stupid didn't your precious mama ever teach you not to marry a boo hag at the sound of her true form, my knees buckled. No, I, I've only heard legends. Folktales you spew at frightened, sleepless babes to ensure they wouldn't leave their beds at night. But here one was, a nightmarish myth. And I the fool that tied myself to this beast. Didn't your mama ever tell you not to let the hag ride you? She cooed her garish tongue flicking out sensually. I wanted to vomit, not just from the memory of what that tongue had once done to me, because my body reacted to it still. My pelvis tangled, stretching out and longing for what was once my wife. My grandmother, not my mama, told me tales of the boo hag, the witch that snuck into your homes like a rat through the cracks. She sheds her skin to show her true, horrifying nature below. She stole your breath, which held the essence of your soul at night, riding you until early morning light when she would slip away before the first morning rays, shimmying into her stowed skin once again. The jars, all those jars of stolen breath. My stolen breath, my stolen life. I snapped from my reverie and lurched for the salt. The salt in our kitchen table that I never noticed went unused. The porcelain jar was full to the brim. Elena hissed, launching herself into the table and clawed her way towards me. Her nails sunk like hammers into the table's surface as I jumped away, hands trembling as I worked to dump the salt in a fine circle around myself. Salt, simple everyday table salt. The only thing my grandmother told me that could save you from a boo hay. The last beads of salt connected mere seconds before Elena catapulted from her tabletop. Her eyes flashed wide, too much white exposed. 
I ducked as she flew overhead, crashing into the awaiting cabinets. But that didn't keep her down for long. She was up faster than a drunk skunk. She glared, my death in her black pinholes. She made her way slowly to me, her body slapping wetly against the floor. Tisk, tisk, tisk. Oh, sweet husband of mine. Don't you know that circle won't hold you for long? Her voice was soft, gentle and warm. She came closer, as close as the salt circle would allow her. Instinctively, my right foot rose to move away, but it hung in midair, hovering over my barrier. Carefully, I still trained on Elena. I pulled my foot back, resisting the urge to step away from her close proximity, effectively leaving my protection circle. We stayed like that for a few beats, each tracking the other. Lethargically, we danced a robotic pirouette, her eyes flicking occasionally to the salt circle, searching for a break while my eyes darted to the window hoping to catch a peek of the sunlight through the curtains. Grandmother said a boo hag could not survive outside her skin past sunrise. That's all I had to wait for, sunrise. The kitchen glowed gray as the clock ticked past dawn. She was running out of time. My legs ached, but I stood my ground, tall and defiant in the face of my witch wife. As the first sprouts of light cast themselves through the kitchen window, Elena rose to her full height. The look of hatred melted away, her true face bubbling to the surface of the creature's bloody one. She whispered. It was so soft that if I was not in front of her, watching her lips, I would have not believed she spoke at all. Lips so plump, even without the skin to cover them. Paul, my love, I... She paused, hesitating with something else in her tone. Shame? Do not hate me for what I am. I truly do love you. She was at her full height now, no longer hunched like the golem I now know her to be. Soft pink tears leaked from her eyes and down her taut pale strips of cheekbones to the rivets of her jaw. Her emotion moved me, a small voice in the back of my mind screaming to be vigilant, to not allow this witch to sway me. But the voice, it was so small becoming more of an echo than a scream. My love. Her words wrapped me like a blanket of her love. My legs ached at the knees, and I fell in my circle, her eyes never breaking stride. Do not shun me, my dearest Paul. You said that you would take care of us. Don't you want to take care of our baby, your son? At her words, my eyes flickered to her belly, engorged like a ripe watermelon. Her pregnant belly gazed at me, eyed to belly button. Elena rubbed the red striped mask lovingly. Her voice a low musical hum as she whispered to the monstrous baby growing inside. No, not baby, thing. I had to stay focused. I had to stay. Paul, look at me, Paul. 
the sound of my name on her lips, my eyes traveled up her navel, past her shriveled breasts, and finally met her face. My neck craned, a small screaming voice in my head working overtime to keep me from looking. But in the end, I looked. I was rewarded with the blue-gray hues of my wife's eyes, as calm as an October sky. There was no more screaming. All I could do was nod. As always, when Elena spoke, I came running, happier than a pig in sunshine. Grandmother didn't warn me about their voices, the sure raw power which they held. Salt scratched against my knees, scraping off the first layer of skin, but I didn't feel a thing. Hands outstretched, Elena reached for me, and my hands reaching in turn. Our hands met, my breath slipping past my parted lips, the heaviest sigh of relief filling the space between. Softly, she placed her hands on her belly. It shivered at my touch before a tiny hand reached out and pushed back against my palms. Burning hot tears bloomed in my eyes, the room beginning to spin. My lungs felt tight, wrung dry like a tube of paste. It was getting harder to breathe. I could hear my fleeting sound of life whispering against my now shrunken ears. Shh, that's it, my love. Everything's gonna be all right. Elena's words paused my struggle. After all, the man provided for his family. This has been a Morbid Forest production. On this week's episode, you've heard Married to a Witch, written by Naomi Richards and narrated by Matthew Trevino, Cara Fergstrom, and Naomi Richards. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter for all your Morbid Forest needs. And if you want to write us a little love letter, send it to themorbidforest at gmail.com. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button and never miss an episode of The Morbid Forest. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll see you next week, travelers, on The Morbid Forest.